0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room podcast. It's Tuesday, October 25th at just past 9 p.m. Central Time after the Mavericks fell in a I don't know if heartbreaking is the right word, but it was a close loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. The final score was 113 to 111. Uh, This was a bad loss. I'm just not going to sugarcoat it. The Pelicans were missing Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Herb Jones. The Mavericks were missing Tim Hardaway Jr., but I think the Pelicans were without far more than the Mavericks were. Uh, But the Mavericks got up to a poor start in the game defensively. They allowed a a 75% shooting quarter from the Pelicans in which they scored 40 points. Uh, The Mavericks made it close uh, at halftime. They were down by just two points. Um, And in the third quarter, they were able to build their lead up to, I think, seven points. Um, But then towards the end of the quarter, Pelicans made it close again. Mavericks were up by two, I believe, going into the fourth quarter. And that's where things fell apart for them once again, similarly to how it did in Phoenix last Wednesday. And the Mavericks were able to stay connected through the rest of the game um, and have a chance to win it at the end. But unfortunately, Luca's three-pointer from the left wing fell short and the Mavericks lost the game by two points. They are now one and two on the season and they will head to Brooklyn to play the Nets on Thursday. And so let's uh, let's talk about this game and talk about how it might represent some things that we're, you know, observing this season from the team. Uh, and to do that, we got Rohan and Fazel back on the podcast. How's it going, guys? pretty good um
1: you know it's been a while since we've had all three of us on and i mean i wish this recording could have come in the wake of a win but it's good to always have the um the jay rohan experience
2: (laughs) i wish i could laugh but i'm pissed i'm royally pissed (laughs) i am i am sick i am (laughs) sick what what was the coaching tonight? Like, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand so many decisions. I'm trying to go back to the last play of the game to see where C. Wood was, to see whether that was another failure. But there's just, like, there's too much to even go over. This hurt me more than the Phoenix loss, because this was eminently winnable up until the last second in the last shot. Um Yeah. The, the mavs deserve to be at at one and two. What can I say? I was gonna debate the first game. I'm not gonna debate this.
0: Yeah, like let, let let let's try to let's try to see you know talk about how the Mavericks have been this season because I agree. I mean this this should have been a win, um, because the Pelicans were missing like their t- top two players basically, um, so there was no excuses for the Mavericks to a play as poorly as they did in this game and b lose. Um, but I think, you know, getting off to the start that they did in this game did not do them any favors. Uh, but whatever, sometimes you endure freak shooting quarters from the opponent. That That's kind of what happened. They were lucky to only be down by nine going into the second quarter. But similarly to how it happened in Phoenix, I just do not think the the second half execution, especially in the fourth quarter, is where it needs to be for a team that has a lot of guys who have played together for multiple seasons now. I just do not understand some of the decision-making that's going on, both coaching and on the floor. I, I think that a lot of stuff needs to get sorted out for the Mavericks to truly get on the track that they want to go on this season. Because I mean, as we saw first half against Phoenix, you know, the whole game against Memphis uh, in parts of this game, like there's very clearly a good team that's there uh, that's capable of, you know, really putting things together for stretches of the game. But the problem is like a lot of times when it matters, especially when it's a close game down the stretch, we see a lot of the same mistakes crop up time and time again. Um uh, And it's just unclear how the Mavericks fix this because, you know, we, we've see, been seeing some of this for for a few years now, like the, the Luka clutch offense is still not uh, as efficient as it needs to be. And not putting that all on Luca, because it's definitely not his fault entirely, but you know, in today's game, at least I feel like he deserves some share of the blame um, and I'm gonna be
2: real. Um, he shot fifteen percent from three, right. He shot fifteen percent from three. That's not just a number that that we can kind of shrug off. That's really, really, really bad. And he got thirty seven points, but I mean, when you do the math he he weirdly shot fourteen of seventeen. From inside the three-point line, so he he had a horrible game shooting, and the fact that he was taking that last shot, and I just looked at it. Christian Wood wasn't even on the floor. Um, don't I? Maybe I. I actually don't know. I have. I can't even think of a reason why he wouldn't be on the floor at that
0: point. But I want to get to Christian Wood in a second. Um, but yeah, I just Fozzle. If you have any thoughts on this first, um. <laughs>
1: You know, this um, first off, Luca. Yeah, obviously he shouldn't have shot as many threes as he did. Um, his shot, his his three is streaky. You know, it always has been. Um, and I don't think the results from games one or two should have incentivized him to take as many threes as he did tonight. But you know, Luca's gonna take a bunch of threes no matter what. So we kind of just gotta wait it out until he gets hot from three, which you know uh traditionally that comes later on in the season around midway um so i i don't know man it's that that's going to be annoying to me especially because of course luke always says oh he's got to do better it's on him he you know he says the nice words but it doesn't always translate to the actual results but i'm not again like luke is not the biggest issue here by far um he, it's yeah. just it's just one of several things um And, of course, he's also very young, so um, I'm sure that's going to get better as he's older and he becomes even more of a winning player. Um, Not to say that he isn't right now, of course. But the thing that really annoyed me was just Jason Kidd's coaching decisions this game, uh, especially rotations, and, again, not giving Christian Wood enough minutes. Um, This reminds me of how he started off the year last season where everybody was calling for his head like 10 games in. And, of course, there were other extenuating circumstances for the Mavs at that point last season. But um, kids' rotations didn't help. And, you know, it it feels like we don't need 10 to 15 games to know that, oh, Luka and Christian Wood should share the court more, or Joel McGee shouldn't get as many minutes as he does. Crap like that. Like, that, that should be that should have been evident after game one. Um, but we'll see, like at some point, Jason Kidd's going to turn it up mentally, which is such a weird statement to make, but, um, (laughs) I I guess we'll be
0: fine in that regard at, at some point. I think we will too. It's just sort of, um, I guess annoying to see these same issues come up time and time again, uh, because a lot of these are easily fixable. Um, I feel like we should just get into Christian Wood right now because I think he has been the biggest story outside of Luca. Uh, you know, this season for the Mavericks. I mean, I know it's only been three games, but, you know, 25 points in each of the first two games. He had 23 tonight, I believe. Uh, this is off the bench. He's still yet to cross the 30-point – or sorry, the 30-minute uh, threshold for minutes in a game. And so I just think with how he's played this season – At some point, Jason Kidd is going to have to make a decision as to whether Christian Wood is going to start or not because, you know, I like JaVale McGee. I like the signing. After three games of watching him, I'm not really sure if he provides any additional benefit uh, defensively that you wouldn't get with Christian Wood because if you start Christian Wood, you get a much more dynamic player and you get to play him with your best player for longer stretches of the game. The issue right now is that you know, Christian Wood is not starting and then he's playing a really long stretch without Luca to start the second quarter. And then he is sitting for the portion of the second quarter where Luca is back in the game. And then, you know, Luca will play the entire third quarter. Christian Wood will come in towards the end of the third quarter, play that stretch, play the first six minutes or seven minutes of the fourth quarter Stub out, Luca comes in, and then, you know, it's the last five minutes of the game or the last four minutes of the game, and then Christian Wood will check in with around like three minutes or less than three minutes left. That's just not a good rotation. If your best two players are sharing the floor that infrequently, that's something that needs to be corrected because it's not a winning recipe.
2: Right. Right, exactly, and you're you're making it harder on both of them by not putting them on the floor together uh, concurrently. I totally agree with that. Um, there are other smaller decisions even that we can talk about, but the Seawood rotations were the most egregious. The fact that Trey Murphy, I believe, I hope I'm getting his name right, Trey Murphy, yeah. I don't know, I think he had three open threes somewhere in the third quarter, or, like, two of them. And the fact that it took about five minutes of him just wreaking havoc on the Mavs' defense for them them to put in a substitution like Josh Green is bizarre to me. Um, And the fact that he was only in for a short time before they switched things up entirely, also a little odd to me. I just feel like some of these things lack, like, a willingness to go with the decision that you make and kind of being a little coy with what you have. And I get it. It's October, but at the same time you want to give these guys room to fail when you, when out of their own accord, not out of your accord. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I guess my biggest frustration. I don't
1: really have anything I, to add to that. Um, yeah, that's, Trey Murphy was a perfect 8 of 8 from the floor, and he shot and made four threes, of course. Um, 22 points on perfect shooting. That
0: is is—that's a pretty good big indictment on the Mavs. Yeah, I, I don't think the Mavericks were prepared tonight to play at the pace that New Orleans was playing at, um, and I just think that it caught them off guard at the beginning of the game and was very difficult to recover from it because, you know, anytime you're trying to mount a comeback of, you know, 15 plus points as the Mavericks were down by 16 at one point in this game, uh, it takes a lot of mental effort to do it. And you have very, uh, a very small margin for error. And in this case, the Mavericks were able to come back and make the game uh, competitive and even put themselves in a position to win. But um, unfortunately these sort of lapses have shown up in the second half Of two games now this season and it sort of begs the question like how did the Mavericks figure that out Uh, because I just feel like there's a lot of standing around and waiting um, particularly in the second half like in the game against Phoenix it was a lot of standing around Luka and waiting in this game I felt that it was a lot of standing around with Dinwiddie um, and you know guys just waiting for him to make a play and Dinwiddie's decision making Wasn't particularly good tonight. I think Dinwiddie has been okay this season. Um, And even tonight, he had his good moments. But uh, there's one play, I think, in the fourth quarter where Dinwiddie was just dribbling the air out of the ball. And then Christian Wood, he got double teamed, actually. And then Christian Wood was right there uh, at the top of the key. And it could have easily just made a bounce pass to Christian Wood to beat the double team. But instead, he decided to fire a cross-court pass to Dorian, went over his head, out of bounds with a turnover. Like, that's the kind of stuff that can't be happening when Luca's on the floor, uh, because like you know, this team doesn't have Jalen Brunson anymore, and we can we've argued day and night now the whole summer about whether that was the right decision or not. But the bottom line is, these are the players that are on this team now, and and they got to figure it out with them.
2: Quickly to clarify, do you mean when Jalen uh, when Luca wasn't on the floor when talking about Jalen?
0: Um. Yeah, I'm I'm now second guessing myself as to whether the play I was talking about uh whether Luca was on the floor for that or not but even if he was on the floor it was one of those possessions because there was a couple possessions in the fourth quarter where Luca's on the floor where he didn't touch the ball and you know you heard Stan Van Gundy talk about on the broadcast like they can't have any more possessions where Luca doesn't touch the ball so I need to go back and look but bottom line is Dinwiddie's decision making was bad in many parts of this oh
2: yeah I'm not gonna argue with you there he was the largest net negative on the team I know there are criticisms of plus minus but uh I really can't argue with negative 15 and nobody else even crossing ten, um, And yeah, he did dribble the air out of the ball a few times there. I think both with uh, Spencer and Luca, the solution is actually kind of simple. Um, and I hate to go back to what Fossil said earlier, but Luca's going to say it was on me. I could have done things better and he could have done things better. But Spencer should have also done this better. You've got to get guys like Reggie involved way earlier in the game and engaged because he's always going to be engaged on defense. But if he's not shooting well, it's he's gonna be it's gonna be more difficult to have him on the court on offense. Like, especially early last season, there were stretches where Reggie Bullock was just was not he was not going yet. And so like if if you want him to be better earlier in the season, you have to feed him more. And you're not seeing that. Like he's not a bailout guy to them. Dorian is. And that's frustrating to me because Reggie does have more offensive tools than Dorian on paper. So I think a lot of this is like relying on guys and making a concerted effort to get guys involved early.
1: Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think it's been kind of a rougher start for Dorian and Reggie both than, I, than we might have expected. Um, Reggie's one thing because I think on the season preview podcast, you know, I mentioned how he always is bad from three um never can shoot well until like january for some weird reason um but which you know that that shouldn't be a there shouldn't be a concrete reason for that but it is just something that happens but as far as dorian goes like i think jay you also mentioned how last season he started kind of iffy as well um even the season before that too yeah and i'm not pleased to see that maybe happen again but in dorian's case you know um it's also, his, at least his defense has been showing up for the most part, but he doesn't. He just hasn't been getting enough shots, in my opinion. Um, I don't think there's been really that much of a concerted effort to, like, look to him in the corner, um, mostly because, like, everybody who isn't Luca, they're not really, they don't really have that kind of vision or the passing talent to, like, get the ball to him, which, um, you know, that's not great, so... I mentioned this, you know, in the, I I tweeted about this during the Grizzlies game, but, which obviously, you know, that was a great game, 41 point win. But even then I was like, I don't feel like Dorian's getting enough shots. Um, And the only time he did was really later on in the second half when he was able to crash the offensive glass and get some good putbacks, which, you know, that's great, but you can't rely on that every single game. That's not really a given. Um, And really, I think, the more three story he takes, the better it is for the Mavericks. So um that's that's just something I think somehow they've
0: got to engineer more shots for him that way they They do um because, yeah, it I don't think he's necessarily playing badly um on offense right now. I just think, yeah, he's not getting the shots that we're accustomed to see him getting. And now they've got to either figure out ways to scheme him more shots or or figure out ways to make him more effective in, in, you know, to take what the defense gives him basically Um, Reggie. It very well could just be another case of him being a slow starter and only picking it up to picking it up in January, which I mean, if that's the case, I guess if you're the Mavericks, you got to live with it because last season he did recover in a big way in the second half of the season, but I don't know. Yeah. it, It, the Mavericks, on paper, are a pretty deep team when it comes to their bench. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway was obviously out tonight. I don't know if what they've been getting from Maxie is enough. I feel like he could be giving them more. He kind of looks a little bit like the midseason slump player that we ha- we saw last year. Uh, maybe that changes. I-, I think Maxie, again, had some good stretches, especially defensively in this game. But overall, it just... He doesn't seem like himself. Reggie and Dorian also do not seem like themselves. And unfortunately, like the, those three players are very key to what the Mavericks do. Like, the, you know, I think Dorian only had four points tonight. Reggie had maybe one three tonight, right? And so you need more out of those guys. Um, so the Mavericks are going to have to make a concerted effort to, to get them uh, shots because things are just way too predictable for them, for the Mavs right now. It's very easy to scheme against them.
2: Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, now switching over to the defensive side, I, I think the the most clear criticism is eight people having double figures on the other team. That's unacceptable. Um, And there are a lot of defensive performances like we didn't, that we were waiting to get and we didn't get. And y'all talked about some of them, but I, I think Reggie did a decent job there. I, I think Dorian was a little bit silent, especially in the second half. On defense, I'll have to go back to the film and really see how effective he was, but usually it's pretty hit or miss when you don't notice him at all. Um, can't really complain about Josh Green minutes too much because I don't think he could have done anything that, that any of the guys on the floor couldn't do. It's just very confusing to me that so many offensive rebounds went the wrong way even though the mavs on paper should be able to get those i guess a team without zion williamson on the floor um yeah that that was also very aggravating for a team with all of its big guys healthy
0: yeah today the effort was just uncharacteristically low um and from the very beginning like it just seemed like something was off for the mavericks and i mean Yeah, it would have been great for them to come back in this game, but just, I I don't know.
2: Yeah, well, they they had up until the last shot. I mean, it was as good of a a comeback shot that you can get with four seconds left or 3.6 or whatever it was. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't be in that position.
0: You shouldn't be in that position. And also, why is the Mavericks clutch offense so predictable? I want to talk about that. I... I have a few thoughts on it, but want to get your guys's take on. You know, it's it's been a problem for the last few years. But let's talk about, uh, let's talk about like since Jason Kidd became the coach, because I guess like that's that's more relevant. Um, you know, the I just don't get it. Like every time they're in this situation where they have the last shot, it's it's more likely than not going to be a Luca step back from the left wing, or you know, a Spencer Dinwiddie three pointer from the right wing. I don't. How do they improve on this when you have a player like Luca? Um, you know, in theory, it should be better, but it's not. Um, I do think that Luca needs to take a page
1: out of LeBron's book and he should, you know, fake them out, fake the defense out by making it look like he's gearing up to take another one of those patented step back threes. And then, um, once obviously the defenders collapse on him, there's, you can see there's always somebody in the corner, you know, such as in game one, I think Dorian was in the corner wide open and, you know, there were still a couple of seconds left to pass it off to him, um, on the last shot, uh, stuff like that. Just, um, more willing to share the ball in that last second moment. Um, and of course, you know, at least, A couple of years ago, Lucas' clutch time stats were amazing, and you could have made the case for him to take all those ridiculous shots at the end of games because, again, it's not like anybody else was. Um, But now that, you know, it's been a couple of years where people kind of get used to this whole thing going on, like just because he's that talented doesn't give him free reign to like take those shots every single time. Uh, that's a criticism that was had with Scott Brooks's play calling in OKC when he had Westbrook and Durant. Um, and I don't think that, you know, Kidd and Luka, I don't think this is any different. So um, that's, that's one thing, first of all. And I do think that the lack of a ball handler uh, who's actually offensively gifted kind of in the way that Jalen Brunson was um, you know that that kind of hurts of course we have Spencer but again you know in the last moments of the game the few times he's gotten the ball um, it's been more the same just like Luka where he pulls up for three which is you know not the worst thing but it is you'd kind of like to see other um, more varied offense
0: yeah I mean because Spencer didn't play that badly tonight. I mean, he had 24 points on 50% shooting both from the field and from three. Um, the negative the negative 15 kind of stands out, but uh, again, I try not to put too much emphasis on plus minus, especially for a player that, you know, you know, is, has an important role on this team. Like there's Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be playing a lot. He had, to, he played 38 minutes tonight. Um, but it, yeah, it's just like this whole thing because the Mavericks are so heliocentric when lucas on the floor and when dinwiddie's on the floor without luca it, it defenses know that you know when you have one ball handler on the floor that guy's going to be holding the ball a lot and if you can scheme such that you take away the role players then all of a sudden you know you can stymie the offense and again i think D- dinwiddie needs to look for christian wood a lot more than he is right now because right now they're sharing the floor for for pretty long stretches of the game and so, getting that chemistry down is just as important as getting the Luca Wood chemistry down, uh, because you know if Wood Wood and Dinwiddie are playing most of their minutes together, then they need to maximize that partnership as much as possible. And again, like if teams are going to double Dinwiddie, like to do Luca, Luca will make the pass to to Wood there, and so Dinwiddie's got to understand that Wood is the uh, is that guy on the floor. Like, get the ball to him. You know, if you're being doubled or you don't have a shot, like there's no point in you just dribbling the air out of the ball and, you know, sprinting to the basket and hoping it works out or dumping it off at the last second to a guy who has no chance of getting the shot off.
2: Yeah, no, very true. I mean, Christian Wood is the only other three level scorer other well, other than Tim Hardaway Jr. But Tim Hardaway Jr.'s efficiency is definitely not at the level of Christian Wood's on those three levels of the court right now. Granted, small sample size. And not having him tonight obviously means that you have another bona fide shooter who you can't drop that final play for. Fine. Uh, going to the Jalen Brunson tangent that follows, kind of involved, I-, I think there is an element of just trusting another guy other than Luka to make decisions, both playmaking and shooting, is a mindset that tertiary guys are in with Jalen on the floor and with Spencer not necessarily looking for that at the right moments or not having that same skill set, it changes the way that role players like uh, Reggie, like uh, Dorian, like Josh Green, the the way that they're thinking on the court and how much they get the ball, sure. Um, but that's also why I think it's a little more important for them to be involved because byproduct of jalen brunson being depended on through the middle of the year was that by the time like we said dorian and reggie got into shape shooting wise they also were more comfortable having the ball for longer periods of time and that's because jalen would do the dump off pass and then if he had a shot he would come back right like there there was a different uh there's a different playmaking, or there there was more passing happening with Jalen on the floor, just point-blank period. A lot more sharing the ball when Luke was off the court. And we're not seeing that, really. On offense, that's like the clearest thing, is that Dinwiddie's still got the same skill set, but he's not as good of a passer without Jalen Brunson there. And that's that's curious. I, I don't know if that's a necessarily like a Jalen Brunson thing or whether that's just having another guy that has that skill set which kind of brings me into the dnps like what you were saying earlier jay with on paper the mavs having a pretty deep roster especially for the bench and not giving some of these guys a little bit of run in i don't know maybe the early fourth so it's a little it is a little concerning but it is also the early season
0: Yeah, I don't want to tr- draw too many broad conclusions from a three-game sample size, but again, I think the reason we we did go through this is just because, like you know, again, a lot of the same issues have popped up in in these two or in these two losses, right? the The Memphis game was just a a total beatdown, and the Mavericks played well from the very beginning of that game. So obviously, you're not going to play like that every single game. Like you need to be able to deal with the ups and downs that that come with an NBA game um and i just don't know if the mavericks have shown in these three games that they're equipped to do it in the high leverage situations and by that i mean like when the game is close <laughs> you know because like in in the phoenix game they raced out to a 22 point lead and it was fine until it wasn't right and same thing with this uh with this game tonight i mean the credit the mavericks for not rolling over, you know, despite the Pelicans shooting an astronomical percentage in the first quarter. But you know it's a close game to, for pretty much the remaining three quarters. Like you got to find ways to to maintain your lead. Like the Mavericks have now blown multiple leads this season uh, in situations that if they had just continued to you know tread water, at the very least, they would have won the game. Uh, same thing, Mavericks went up by seven in the fourth quarter tonight, and I'm like, okay, you know, things are starting to look better. Like, we can try to pull away now. And and instead of that, the Pelicans made their run. The Mavericks got too comfortable on offense, didn't stay aggressive. Uh, and as a result, like teams teams like the Pelicans that are long and athletic and young will feast on that. And the same goes for, you know, the veteran teams that that are contenders too. So I think the Mavericks, they're still in a good spot but they have a lot of work ahead of them, uh, both from the coaches and from the players.
2: Uh, Let's be fair about the Grizzlies game, too. They were coming off of a back-to-back. Like, that's the second night of a back-to-back. That's a tough game for them without Dylan Brooks and without Jaron Jackson. It just is. So 41-point win, good thing, but we shouldn't put too much into it. I put more into both of the losses than I put into the win.
0: That's fair. I mean, it it was good the Mavericks took care of business um, against a team that was on a short rest. But, um, yeah, it's a bit of an unrealistic scenario just because you're not going to be playing that game that many times.
2: The Nets aren't going to be like that, right, on Sunday. So you can't afford to rest on your laurels. It seemed a little bit, especially like the defense has been resting on their laurels uh, this year with how quickly fourth quarter leads are just evaporating.
0: Yeah, the defensive intensity hasn't shown up uh, consistently this season. Again, I think it's it it's what Jason Kidd doesn't like, where it's very correlated to how the offense is going. Right, right now, I think you know too many of the defensive lapses are correlated with offensive dry spells, and that's unfortunately a problem we saw so much during the Carlisle era. So. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just early season weirdness because, you know, look, I, I did say on one of our last, I think our season preview podcast that I, I could see the defense taking a, a small step back in the early part of the year because of them having to integrate Christian Wood into the, uh, into the offense. So that's not totally surprising, but just the way that it's happening, I think is is unfortunate because it's costing them games.
2: Well I I want to take this this opportunity to kind of go off of these three games. I think Christian Wood on defense fits almost as well as you could have expected him to. Yeah, he's um, been he's been good on defense. He has not been the issue on defense, which is the surprising thing. Um and it makes it it makes it less admissible or not admissible, but permissible or makes it less okay for these lapses to happen that it's not happening cuz of Wood. But yeah. Too early in the season.
1: Yeah. I wonder, the only thing I wonder is that, I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that Christian Wood's not going to shoot 60% from the field and 60% from three for the entire season. <laughs> so when whenever those numbers eventually do start to like come down a little bit, I wonder where he uh, kind of levels off at. I'm sure he's going to be close to 50, 40, in my opinion. Um, I I I don't see any reason why that would stop. And he's like, been a historically good shooter um throughout his career so I don't really um you know I'm not too concerned about that but he's also you know some of these results offensively it's because you know Wood's been going supernova so if we have a game where he's like basically pedestrian or you know not amazing star level then I wonder where that like the rest of that offense comes from
0: yeah, that's a that's a reality that I hope we don't have to confront. But yeah, I agree. I mean it's it's unlikely to expect him to shoot what he's doing right now for the whole season. But again, I think that's where that's where, you know, if if you're Jason Kidd and the coaching staff, you have to figure out like does playing him with Luca more unlock, you know, the 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 pick and roll aspect of his game a little bit more? Cause I still feel like that hasn't been utilized as much as I expected it to which is fine because again, he's shooting what he is and he's able to create off the dribble. Like his passing has been good um, and he's able to score uh, after putting the ball on the floor. But if you play him with Luca, can you unlock the, the pick and roll lob threat as well? And that at least gives him a chance to get some easy baskets and take easier shots and, and you know keep his field goal percentage good so that when Luca is off the floor, he can do things like shoot more threes, um, and drive to the rim, like he's doing right now. So I think that answer will become clearer as the season goes on.
2: Yeah, I I thought I would be on this podcast reminding everyone that, oh, Damian Lee, or Damon Lee, sorry if I got the name wrong again, traveled on that last possession. Obviously, it doesn't matter the refs or the league, but I mean, he did. Okay, so like, I I count that as a technicality in my book. So hey, the Mavs should have won the first game was like a thing, up until how this game ended. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to the Nets game, but I'm kind of ruining it, because I met a I met a Kyrie fan recently, and I talked maybe, maybe my mouth cashed a check that or no my mouth wrote a check that my behind can't cash or that the Mavs behind can't cash.
0: I, I may have also done that on Twitter because I did say that the Mavericks would make quick work of the Nets <laughs> after tonight's game. I'm not as confident in that prediction, but you know, I can't back off now. So let's let's hope they recover well on Thursday night.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, who knows? You know, if they just if they just start rattling off losses, I mean, I hope not. Knock on wood. Um, is at the end of the road, so you know, can't be too bad.
0: Well, the Mavericks do owe their pick to the New York Knicks this year, but it's top five protected. That's so, so depressing. <laughs> it's that's top so five protected, to so if the Mavericks are literally the worst team in the league, perhaps they'll be okay. But <laughs> I would rather us not be. I, I yeah yeah that's <laughs> that's a, that's a fair point. You know, can't
2: argue against that. Although I would like to be the best at something. You can't be the best at being the best.
0: Yeah. All right. Well. I don't know. We got we got two more minutes on this call. I, I feel like we should we should keep it keep it succinct today. I don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts or anything. Nah, not really. Just depression.
2: Yep. Fozil, you look like somebody that I would see on the street over here. I just want to say that the more your hair grows out,
1: <laughs> the more you look like that. Yeah, I've been meaning to get a haircut for like just a trim for like a couple of weeks, but I can't even find the time to do that.
0: Yeah, and how can you be expected to when you're watching the Mavericks' crunch time offense <laughs> fall apart every night? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we can <laughs> hope. That we, we can hope that things get better for the Mavericks starting on Thursday uh, in Brooklyn against the Nets. than they. Come back to Dallas and play the Magic and Thunder back to back. So, hopefully, they're able to win all of these games. But at least those Magic and Thunder games would be nice to win. Um, and then we go to November after that. So, keep it locked in here on Mavs Film Room podcast. Thanks, Rohan and Fozzle, for joining me. Always great talking to you. And and you know, I'm sure we'll be back at the end of this week uh, talking about the week that was with the Mavs. Follow us on Twitter at Mavs Film Room. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back soon. Go Mavs.